The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Oh God, show us how we might be a people who see as you would have us see and to speak out and stand up as you would call us to be. Amen. In observance of National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is in October, some churches use a Sunday in October to lift up the notion of domestic violence and awareness of that. We're doing this today. You'll see in your bulletin there's an insert that shares some statistics about domestic violence, ways to get help for those who are in need, and some guidelines about helping those who are in a domestic violence setting. Now perhaps you might think that there isn't a domestic violence concern here in our wonderful town of Frankfurt. In case you might be thinking that, I'd ask Samuel Dom. Sam is the uh, executive director of the Sunshine Center here in Frankfurt. I'm on their board to send me some statistics that she could uh, drum up for me. And you'll see in there not only about Kentucky, but also about Franklin County. In case you still don't think that domestic violence is a concern here in Frankfurt, I would invite you to ask our secretary, Kim Holloway, who could tell you about her good friend and co-worker, Meg Smith, who was killed this summer by her estranged boyfriend. In case you might need to hear more, I was talking to someone that I've met since I moved here, a friend of mine in the community. I'm not going to use her name because one or two of y'all might know this person's name at least. And here's what she actually texted me about a relationship that she used to be in. I got smacked in the face while driving down the interstate at 75 miles an hour. He kicked in my radio in my new car. He literally threw me out of the house when he found out I was pregnant. Thank God I had a miscarriage. He accused me daily of cheating on him. He pointed a gun at me one time, and on and on. Domestic violence is alive and well in our community, in the lives of people that we know and love. I hope you'll take this insert with you and keep it somewhere where you might find it when you need it. And also, as you leave, you'll notice there's some purple pins out in the foyer. Sam gave me those. It's got the name of the Sunshine Center and contact information that you might keep or you might even better to give someone who might could use that. As I was reading up about Domestic Violence Awareness Sunday, I came across some other names that had been given for this day. Break the Silence Sunday is one of them. Speak Out Sunday is another. And both of those Names are very fitting for our text today. It's a text about a man named Bartimaeus refusing to be silenced. I'd like to look at that story for just a bit and then put ourselves into that story. Not only ourselves, but those who are victims of domestic violence. The text begins with, they came to Jericho. 
Jericho's about 15 miles from Jerusalem. If you've been here over the last few weeks, you've heard me say pretty much every week that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He continues on that way to Jerusalem. Next, or the very next story is that Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. But along this way, as Jesus has been on the way to Jerusalem, he's reminded the disciples three different times now about what's going to happen. He says that the Son of Man will be betrayed, he'll be arrested, betrayed, and then it get into more detail in the later tellings of it that he would be arrested by the Gentiles, the Romans, that he would be whipped and flogged and spit upon, and then he would be killed, and three days later, rise again. Three times he tells the disciples that. Each time they just don't get what Jesus is trying to say. So each time he returns to that and tries to teach them about what it means to follow him. The first time he says, if you want to be my follower, you must deny yourself and take up a cross and follow me. The second time after Jesus had predicted it, he said this. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then last week we read the third time when Jesus says, Whoever wishes to be great must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And now they're in Jericho. Actually, they're leaving Jericho. It says Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd... We read that they're leaving, leaving, and as they're leaving, there's a blind man on the side of the road. And, and most likely, there were many such beggars on the side of the road. They would ever, they'd want to be wherever there would be some foot traffic. So obviously, that folks might help them out in some way. Now, we know from reading this whole story that this man will be healed. But what's important right now is to hear that Mark gives a name to this person. His name is Bartimaeus, which literally means son of Timaeus. And what's interesting about that is this is one of the very, very few times that, G that Mark actually gives a name for someone that, that Jesus would heal. But anyway, this blind beggar, along with probably many others, are off to the side of the road. But this one says, when he hears that Jesus is coming by, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But then we read that many sternly ordered him to keep quiet. Now we know why they told this fellow to be quiet. Jesus was a busy man. And certainly Jesus was always having people wanting something from him. So I guess that these folks are just trying to protect Jesus from just loads and loads of people just wanting something from him. But also I guess one reason why they told him to be quiet is because he was just a pointless beggar. He certainly did not merit the time to spend with Jesus. He wasn't nearly worthy of that. But even though they tried to silence him, he just yelled it out more louder, or louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now our text says that many people sternly ordered this man to be quiet. So we don't know if the disciples of Jesus participated in, in trying to hush this fellow. But one thing we do know is that none of the disciples of Jesus stand up for this man or try to help this man. 
Maybe they did try to tell this guy to shut up. Or maybe they just kind of just didn't do anything. They did one or the other. Because nobody was doing anything to help this man. Proving once again that the disciples had a lot to learn. Then we read something that I had never noticed before, to be honest with you. Jesus stops and he tells this crowd to go and tell the man to come to him. Now, Jesus could have walked over there himself. Or Jesus could have just hollered across wherever it was to tell the guy, hey, come over here. Instead, he sends the crowd over there. And I've never noticed that before, but I think in reading on it, the reason why Jesus did that is because he was going to make these people that had told this guy to shut up to actually go and have to speak to this man. In other words, to actually notice that this is a person. You go and tell this guy to come to me. In other words, I think what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples anyway, none of y'all took the time to really notice this man, did you? But I will, and I want to make sure that you know that, so you go tell him. And so they go and tell him. And then what follows is the healing of this blind Bartimaeus. But there's some pieces in it I want to lift up. They tell him, he says, take heart, get up, and he's calling you. And then it says that this man, this blind man, throws off his cloak. Now, a cloak would be a coat or an outer garment. And the coat, the cloak, had two purposes. The first purpose, obviously, was to wrap up in. This man was poor. He probably had very, very few possessions. This might have been his only possession. So he would wrap himself up on it at night to sleep. And then during the day, he would take it and he would spread it out, hoping that when people came by the roadside where he would be, that they might put some coins or maybe some food there for him for the day. So in other words, this was his means of living. And we read that he throws it off and that he springs up. And it's interesting to note that that word spring up is the exact same word that Jesus uses when he says in those three predictions about what's going to happen to him, that about he's going to be rejected and, and killed, and it's on the third day rise again. That word rise again and this word spring up is the same word. So he throws off what he's known and he goes to Jesus Perhaps a symbol of throwing off his whole old life in order to embrace a new one. And notice, he's not been healed yet. He's just going to Jesus out of trust. And maybe Mark put this part in here so that those of us who have been reading through Mark maybe will remember the story from a couple weeks ago when there was this rich man that comes to Jesus and he's a great guy, done lots of things. And Jesus says, well, there's one thing you need to do. You need to take all your possessions and sell them and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. And we read that this man goes away grieving because he had a lot of possessions. This man who had everything would not give it up. But this man who had almost nothing gives it up to go and follow 
man comes to Jesus, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? It's the exact same question we read last week when Jesus, when James and John, the brothers of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, they go to Jesus and says, Jesus, we want to ask you to do something. And then Jesus says the same, exact same thing. What do you want me to do for you? Remember James and John, though, they said, Jesus, when you enter your glory, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. And Jesus ended up saying, well, fellas, I'm not the one that makes that decision. He couldn't help them on that. But Jesus could help this man because this man just said, I want to see again. And the text closes with Jesus telling him to go, that his faith has made him well. And also it could be that faith has saved you. Same, same words translated both ways. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. On the way. Notice what happens here. The man who is blind is really the man who can see. The man who is on the outside is really the one on the inside because he's the one that responds with faith and follows Jesus on the way. And on the way is a way that's going to lead to Jerusalem. He's the insider. And the disciples who just keep not getting it, they're the ones on the outside. They still hadn't figured it out. Now with that overview, I'd like to put ourselves into this story for a minute. But first I want to put the victims of domestic violence into this story. I would think that him or her could take the place of the blind man in the story. Someone who has been mistreated who's been cast aside, who's been ignored and silenced by those around them, even, the, even by those who claim to love them. And as much as it might puzzle us who are on the outside about why someone would stay in such a horrific situation, let's remember this. It takes a whole lot of determination for somebody to get out of that. There's fear. Fear for one's own safety and safety of children if there's children involved. And quite often a victim of domestic violence has been isolated, isolated financially, isolated socially, isolated from their own family. So of course someone who has been isolated won't know where to turn or where to go to get help or what to do. Who might actually care enough to help? And then being told over and over and over about how worthless they are. And how all of this horribleness is their own fault. How could constant abuse like that not tear at someone's own being? So for us on the outside, it may be, oh, why don't you go get help? But if you're trapped in it, and I've never been, and I can't fathom, let's consider their place. Consider how hard it must be to rise up and to throw off that cloak that has put you down. And to choose a new way, a way that could lead to healing and to new life. Where might we put ourselves in this story? Well, I can tell you, it's for the church in the church's history, and I mean the big C church, the church universal. The church has been among those who are in the crowd that day. The church, especially its preachers have told women for centuries that they must go back 
to their husband, and usually it is the wife toward the husband, that surely the husband must have been the one doing something wrong because the guy, he's a deacon, he's a leader in our church, he's a good guy. Certainly you've got it wrong. And if you don't think that doesn't happen, well, now you're wrong. It does. You got to go back. You got to forgive, which means forget, which means keep in it. And then, of course, the biblical warnings of divorce gets thrown out like hand grenades. That's just what the church has done. And, of course, much of society, us citizens, we may not shut up people in domestic violence, but we sure can't ignore them. It's none of my business. I don't know what to do. What in the world would I say? Somebody else who's a trained professional should help that person. So maybe we find ourselves like those in the crowd that day, not the ones necessarily that are shouting at the victim, but just ignoring them. And perhaps if that's us, maybe we need Jesus to show us. Just like Jesus made the people look at this man, Bartimaeus, Maybe we need Jesus to focus our eyes on those in such situations. But now maybe let's move ourselves for a moment away from being in the crowd to being actually Bartimaeus himself. Bartimaeus who seems to really want to follow in the way of Jesus. Who trusts that Jesus will lead him to a new way. Maybe we are ready to be people who rise up and to throw off our, our cloak of, of indifference and to look for the way that Jesus would lead us to go and to have the courage to follow Jesus on the way. I'm going to sit down for a moment and I invite you to read over this domestic violence insert Read over the statistics and remember that statistics aren't numbers. They are people. And just know that I could have put a whole lot more stuff in here than I did. And then turn that page over and read how you might help someone who's living in such a situation. And then, like I said earlier, keep this insert, maybe in your purse, maybe uh, in your kitchen. You don't have to leave it sitting out, but you leave it somewhere and take a pen to maybe help remind you, but also more importantly, maybe to give to someone who might need that help. I'll sit for a moment while you read this over. 